Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal <coughs> branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. I want to welcome all of you to our new time, noon central time. We've been moved up, and you know why? Because I think a lot of you would listen over the noon hour. Who wants to eat without listening to a podcast, right? And I also want to thank all of my listeners for helping make this podcast one of Apple's top 25 business podcasts. I'm so thrilled for that. So thank you. Now, I also want to say this is going to be a show you probably are going to want to ask some questions about. So let's get started. You know, if you're in business like I am, you probably rely on some kind of a tool that's a, a customer relationship management tool, right? We have to have that. Well, my guest today is the co-founder of the very first one and happens to be the one I still use. It's called ACT. I'll bet some of you have heard about that. Mike Muni is the co-founder of this software, which then launched the entire CRM industry. So we're going to be talking about him as an entrepreneur, about the fact that there are many times in his life that he has been on top of the world, traveling all over the world, speaking about how he launched that act many years ago. He's been on top of the world, but he's also been down at the bottom of the world too. Ups and downs. Isn't that what life's about? So, I want to welcome you, Mike. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, it is a pleasure to be here, Valerie. I really look forward to this. <laughs> I have too, because A, I use ACT, and I still use ACT, and I've used it since I started business. I just can't wait to hear how this came about. How did you start something like that? You know, I, I wish I had more time, but I, I, I need to go back 10 years prior to actually uh, coming up with the idea along with my business partner, uh, I started my career with IBM in the mainframe era, and they taught us a lot of principles in uh, my six-month sales school, uh, and I don't have time to share all of them, but effectively what they did was how to uh, deal with more people more effectively, the result of which would then be greater sales. So the focus was not on selling, mm -hmm. and I believe everybody sells. I don't care if you're a doctor, lawyer, you have competition, we all do, so sell me why you should be my CPA, right? Uh, but they taught us how to deal with more people more effectively, and they also taught us another principle that I applied in every call I made, and that principle later resulted in the ability to come up with ACT. So um, fast forward now, my business partner and I, uh, we started another software company. We had $100,000 investment from an angel out of Boston, $85,000 later. Uh, we admitted to each other that that product was not going to succeed. And matter of fact, we said, this dog ain't going to hunt. It's over. So as an entrepreneur, mm. we were faced with failure. And in fact, it did fail. But we had $15,000 left. We didn't know if we should give it back. He was coming down in about three weeks, and he thought everything was cool. Who was coming back? The, the investor? The angel investor. Okay. Was coming down from Boston to just check up on us, his investment, right? And we were going to have to fess up to him and say it failed. Hmm. Uh, when not that many months prior, we said it's going to be the latest and greatest thing that everybody's going to need it, right? And so we were going to be faced with a, a, a dilemma, you know, I mean, but we had to be honest. We had to be truthful with ourselves and with him. 
But one of the things I've been taught us was to always call it the CEO level. Well, I, I befriended a CEO of one of the companies I was trying to sell this to, and we went to him to ask for his advice. And he simply looked at uh, Pat and I, my, the other business partner, and said, look, you two guys are smart guys. Why don't you go have a brainstorm breakfast? Next week is July 4th, 1986. Uh, next week's July 4th, sit there until uh, from 8 until noon and see if you can come up with another idea. And we thought, well, we have nothing to lose. And Pat and I were in a booth, 8 o'clock, pencil and paper, and we began with some guidelines, but one of, one of them was, what do we need? The product we had created, we couldn't use. We understood it, and we knew how to apply it to the people that could use it. Uh, but that failed, so we thought, let's go back to ourselves. Is there anything that we need? And that was uh, the beginning of the thread, to make a long story short. And when we left there that morning, and I still had the original napkin, we had conceived what later uh, became ACT, nine months later, launched on the market. I codenamed it that morning, YES, which was an acronym that stood for YES, Everybody Sells. So that's how it began, uh, kind of a Hail Mary desperation pass. We humbled ourselves, we were, our backs were against the wall, we sought advice, we took the advice and we applied ourselves and we went deeper inside of us mm. to see if there was anything else there because if you're riding along you know, fairly well or you know, things are okay or doing great as well, you don't force yourself to go deep. Well, we had no choice but to go deep and that's what happened. That right there is one of what we know, uh, my listeners, that I call a teachable point of view. Mm -hmm. Go deep, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Take time to reflect. That just really, I think, is powerful for any of us. Who takes time in the middle of what we're doing, 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 to just stop? How wise of that man to tell you not to give up mm -hmm. and just to go away and think. Right. I love that. Do you love that? I love that. You know, the funny thing is, starting with IBM, for those older people that might remember that era, uh, when you joined IBM, you were all we were all given a placard that said "Think" because that was their mm -hmm. word, that was their brand. Think. The ThinkPad. And so, yeah, the ThinkPad later <laughs> came out. But Think, and and you know, so uh, that's universal and that's timeless, and uh -huh. that's exactly what happened. We had to think. My goodness, isn't that interesting? Well, so did you have? Uh, so you were in sales. Uh-huh. And so was my partner, yeah. We were both so, sales guys. Well, and you were good friends, you said. We were best friends. Told me before the yeah. show you were really good friends, yeah. which we'll come back to in a little bit. Yeah. My question to you is, were you techies also? Because ACT is a software. No, we were not techies, although uh, I had to learn a, a few programming languages working at IBM, not to be a developer uh, or programmer, as it was mm -hmm. called back then, but to understand it. And mm -hmm. I did at one time write a little routine for Holiday Inn's reservation system uh, just as a challenge, and I did it, and they used it for a little while. But, but I was never a developer, nor was Pat. So that in itself is interesting, right. how two salespeople <laughs> came up with something technical. Yeah, but when we released ACT, we said software design for salespeople by salespeople. By salespeople. And that appealed to them because it wasn't technical and you know some uh, nerdish type of approach to thinking that they understood what a salesperson did. Mm -hmm. We were salespeople, although again, as you know, I think everybody is, but we embraced that as a professional um, uh, endeavor and career path. My goodness. So you hit it. Mm -hmm. uh, you started out with a decent amount of money, but mm -hmm. then what happened that made you whoosh, just go to the top? Well, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of little things that we did. Pat and I are, 
uh, I like to say we were street fighters. I still am a street fighter. Very practical, and we don't necessarily pay attention to the rules. I think an entrepreneur has to have a little bit of rebelliousness in them and a little bit of anti-authoritarianism. So I say I'm missing one chromosome of those things that most people apply. We didn't, and so you know, an entrepreneur kind of thinks differently, right? Uh, isn't it interesting that that's what Steve Jobs' brand was for Apple way back then, right? Uh, think different. Oh. Right. Again, think, but think different. Think, and, but think different. Correct. And so um, we uh, we set some guidelines at this breakfast meeting. Going back to that, uh, one of them was whatever it is, it has to have useful use. In other words, we didn't want to throw so many things into it, hoping that it'll apply to more people. Uh, kind of like throwing stuff on the wall and hoping some of it sticks. We mm -hmm. didn't want to do that. It had to be very tight and purposeful and practical. So that was one of the things we did. Uh, we also had a great culture. The, the, the people that we began to hire were likable people, fun people to be around. And so we had to meet with a lot of people, obviously Pat and I especially in those early days, uh, and they liked us. Well, when people like you, they give you chances or they mm. write more favorably about you. Back then, this was the pre-internet era, of course, and so articles would come out. Uh, but we also set ourselves up to do a lot of presentations at, uh, at, at that time, user groups to expose the product, but it was never about what it did. Mm. It was always about what it was going to do to help you uh, have greater perceived value with your clients. And so mm. people want to be more valuable because people associate, I'm probably going to make more money then because of that, right? And so mm. it was always a value proposition. Uh, and I would show people, uh, some of them would be in an audience and I knew them or, or had had a communication with them, even if I'd never met them, but I, I created a profile and I would use them and they'd be shocked of the detail that I had, right? Because little things don't mean uh, a lot, Valerie, they mm -hmm. mean everything. And that's mm -hmm. always been my attitude, right? We don't know what little things might be able to be dismissed and none of us is perfect and has a crystal ball, nor do we have time to take down every note. But if you take down a little bit more than most people, mm -hmm. then you're ahead, right? And so I said, you know, I, I was able to deal with more people more effectively, but nothing was slipping through the cracks. And that was the key. Because mm. people think, well, I, I want a tool to handle more. Well, not if it sacrifices the quality that you already giving a smaller group, right? So that was another thing. But we, uh, we went on a PR tour and we took a bigger booth at Comdex in Las Vegas, which was uh, kind of the coming out party. Uh, two months prior to that, though, there was a two-page article in PC Magazine, the premier magazine of that time mm -hmm. that was entitled, What Qualifies as Great Software? And it was all about ACT and how it was going to change the world. And it was like, whoa, so sales went up, which, which set the tone for a little bit greater level of interest at Comdex. But we, we hit a grand slam home run. We won the Super Bowl at Comdex. The contract said you couldn't sell product. We sold 500 copies. Mm -hmm. We had a, uh, an exhibitor who was across the aisle and watched these crowds of two to 300 people every presentation on the hour. And I'm not exaggerating, ran up to us at the end of the show and said, I want to buy your company. I've got a million dollars cash. I can oh wire transfer you next week. And of course, we were you know, complimented, but it was like, what? And he finally left. And that was Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank Today, was the first guy to yes. offer us a million dollars. Now, think about that in the space of 18 months. Our product failed. We only had $15,000 left. We were going to have to fess up to the angel and go back to the corporate world if he wanted that money back. Mm -hmm. uh, we took a chance. We got advice. We then architected uh, what became ACT the three weeks prior to his coming down. So we mm -hmm. had something to tell him about, which he did like, and he put more money in because of that. But in 18 months, we went from desperation to 
uh, somebody offering us a million dollars for the company. Talk about your life changing on a dime, you know, 18 months. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was because of that application and the process uh, and pursuit and execution and commitment and passion and principles and heart that led to not giving up. Don't give up. How did that success affect your family? Your personal life, I should say. You know what? That's a very good question. Uh, it affected it both good and ultimately it affected it bad. So here is, at that time, of course, that chance that you, if you're seeing and you're feeling it, mm. that you think this, this is going to change our, the trajectory of my family's life, meaning money and independence and all that kind of stuff, and you just apply yourself into it. Uh, and so uh, my wife uh, was very for, much for it. In fact, she even assisted in writing the first user's manual. Make a long story short, uh, ACT became so successful, it seduced me. Oh. It became my mm. mistress. I couldn't wait to go back to work Monday morning, and I lost balance with my family. And three years before we sold the company, I lost a 19-year marriage with three kids. That's a high price to pay. As a matter of fact, it's a, you can't put a price tag on, on a loss of a marriage especially with kids. Mm-hmm. So that has affected, um, that affected my family, even though my heart was in the right spot, even though I put everything, my heart and soul into it for the sake of the family, that was how I was seeing things, but it wasn't how she was seeing things. And I just faded away uh, from mm. being connected to my family. So that was one of the prices I paid for success. Uh, when I, she said that she you know, wanted a divorce, uh, I became an insomniac. I had to be subscribed to Ativan for a year and wean myself off of that to slow my mind down so I could sleep. I lost 25 pounds in the first month. I couldn't eat, so it affected me a lot. Having said that, though, you know it's the yin and the yang of life. I guess I don't know how better to describe it. Mm-hmm. But so act in many. My attitude about act, my love for act, uh, is what you know dismissed me from the attention I needed to spend with my family. Uh, but it was also my saving grace during that crisis period because it oh. gave me something to still do. Yeah. And I had to hold on to it because being co-founder, I couldn't just relinquish that and say, I'm out of here, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it's, I don't know how to describe it, Valerie. It's almost like a, a rough waters in an ocean. You know, I mean, there's, there's the, this here, but you're gonna go down, but you're gonna, you gotta kind of keep an even keel. And, mm-hmm. and so it was that keel attitude uh, that both it, 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 in their time provided, but also each caused the disruption to the other. Oh, the oddity so of life. sorry to hear that. Yeah. I love the keel. That's a good visual. Yeah. Have a keel attitude. I'm going to write that yeah. down. Have a keel attitude. So anything else that was affected? Well, um, Pat and I were best friends, and you know, we, uh, because of that best friendship, we always wanted to have a company together. But uh, again, the success of ACT, which was intense, I can't say it any better than that. It was growing daily and intense, and the demand on my time was incredible. So how do two sales guys divide their responsibility? Pat and I, always practical. Here's what we did in those early days. He was the inside guy, and mm-hmm. I was the outside guy. So I was basically the face to act worldwide, sure. right? The speaking, the user groups, the conferences, going and setting up distributorships around the world. So that's why I wasn't around much and how I got distanced from my family and my family life, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the politics is basically in every company where there's you know three or more, maybe even two, but let's say three or more people, there's politics. And our company was growing fast and big and wide, and now we had all these formal roles and responsibilities that people were hired to do, right? Well, Pat and I began, we were the parents of the product, 
And parents don't always agree on how to raise the kid and our own egos started to get in the way of each other and Pat and I ultimately lost our best friendship. So think about the irony of creating the first relationship management product, Valerie, and I lose the two closest relationships that most people would say that they have, their significant other and their best friend. And that's the price it cost me. Uh, after we sold Act to Symantec, uh, six years later, uh, Pat and I were put under employment contract. Uh, we lost our jobs at Symantec and got fired. And so you talk about a Whoa. wonderful ride and then we got fired. And the reason we got fired was because there were politics in the company and the CEO got word from the marketing department. They didn't like our ideas. We were kind of you know, bothering them. And so uh, we were told to just shut up because we were bought. We weren't the ones that bought them. They bought us. So just do what you're told. Well, Pat and I aren't the two kind of guys that do what you're told. And we kept saying, no, you guys, you need to do this. You've got all these resources. And we ultimately got fired just for being a nuisance. And so then all of a sudden I was completely amputated from this thing that I had co-created with that was the love of my life that I paid a high price for. <clears throat> and now, now I'm going down into the personal by myself, all alone, nothing to do, no identity, nothing. And that's another story, maybe for another time in, in detail. But but I had to suffer through how do you come out of that? What do you do? Um, and and that was a struggle. So, Mike, what did this teach you at that point and today? about yourself? Well, I made a lot of mistakes and I regret them. Uh, I'm not one of those people that says I have no regrets. I mean, was it a learning lesson? Yeah. Did I learn a lot from it? Yeah, without question. Mm -hmm. uh, but some things you just can't take back once they're done. Once it happens, it's over and it's done and you can't try to get things back mm -hmm. necessarily. Although I did try for a while to keep the marriage, it ultimately failed after a year's effort to do so. Uh, and so you just have to accept reality, uh, face the facts, uh, take accountability and take responsibility and move on. And, and my attitude, in, I mean, I, I struggled with a lot of attitudes, don't get me wrong, in positioning my own self mm -hmm. against this great success. I mean, part of the success of ACT caused later problems because it was so successful, so much fun. Everything after that for a while was anticlimactic. And so my heart wasn't in it then. It's like, this is never as good as act. It's not, you know, and I kept holding on to that period mm. and I had to finally let loose of it. Now I'm always going to be attached to it, obviously as the co-inventor, but I don't want to hold on to it as that only thing, Valerie. I, I have an attitude that success should be a springboard and not a hammock. I also have the attitude, if you, if you turn that to the other side of the coin, so to speak, failure should not be a, a, a prison. Mm -hmm. uh, it should be a springboard, right? Uh, to to doing to going on. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a life to live. I, I want to make the most of it. If I could do act, uh, when I at one point in my life and Pat's too is just two blue collar raised kids that went into had sales, a good right? Idea. Right. Uh, and we worked our butts off. Obviously, we had belief. We dis we ignored a lot of the things that that might have uh, limited us in our thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, we just were damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead kind of guys. Well, you know that attitude had to come back into play to pick myself up and continue on. Right? Yes. It's not about falling down. Obviously, it's about picking yourself up and moving on. Uh, and everything doesn't have to be, you know, straight. Uh, it just has to be progressive. In other words, you know, we think, well, I've got to get from A to B. Well, you know, life has a way of, you know, having some entanglements <laughs> along the way. Yeah. Okay. But the point yeah. is just make progress. And uh -huh. it was a daily struggle for a while to just try to make progress uh, and, and move ahead and get out of that conundrum.
You know, Mike, there's not a person listening or watching, including me, that hasn't had those down times. Some of our down times may be downer than others. But now today, tell us what you're doing and how you transitioned from those down times. Pick yourself up, if you will, because there's a real story. And, and I know you're now doing a lot of speaking engagements sharing a lot more detail than we can get in 30 minutes. But how did you do that? Well, again, here, here's the irony of Acts. So one of the things I discovered during that process, I easily have spoken to over a quarter million people in the world, all over the world, Valerie keynote speaker, conference speaker, big events, corporate events and association events, not about ACT per se, but about mm -hmm. more the personal story, the inspiration, the hope you know, that everybody needs and the culture, because we had a great culture. I mean, I can talk on a lot of topics. Yep. Um, but uh, so, so basically what I did is I, I uh, make a long story short, in my quest to, to like say, what am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Yeah. I, I, I it, it happened by watching a movie, and I, I'll just say there was a scene in the movie where a, a professor held up a brick, and he asked the architectural students in the class, what is this? And, and this is at my, one of my lowest points, by the way, when I'm watching this movie, not knowing what's about to happen to me. And one of the students said, oh, it's a brick. And, you know, he laughed. And another student said, it's a weapon. Ha, ha, ha. But what he then said was, even a brick wants to be something. Now, it's a movie. So there was a screen behind the professor showing the icons of the world, the Empire State Building, the, the pyramids, the Taj Mahal. And when I saw that even a brick wants to be something, I literally, Valerie, no exaggeration, I started crying profusely because it finally answered that question, who am I? And I was comfortable and I embraced the fact that in the reality of the world, I'm just a brick like most people, right? <laughs> I, I wasn't born with a silver spoon, far from it. I've had to work hard for everything I've done and achieved. I've paid prices for that, obviously. Uh, but I'm just a brick, but a brick does want to be part of something greater. And mm -hmm. so it's, you've got to get involved. You've got to contribute. You've got to say, what can I do to provide value to people uh, mm -hmm. that they're willing to pay for, obviously, that's meaningful and gives me that identity because mm -hmm. I wasn't designed in a vacuum for nothing. I was designed for something. And, and I don't know what that something is yet. I will tell you that that act was just part of that journey. But what it showed me was if I could do that, and believe me, that was way beyond my aspirations before the act era. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought I was just going to be a good sales guy for the rest of my life. I mean, I basically limited myself, right? Mm -hmm. But because of that desperation and digging deep, it caused me to realize, no, there's more. There is more in you, Mike. Well, now that's how I have looked at things for all these years since, Valerie, and coming out of that that um, you know despondency, if you will, mm -hmm. on my path to what is ahead of me that I can still conquer in my love? I say all that to say what I discovered during the ACT era uh, was I loved professional speaking, public okay, speaking. And good. so uh, I have, I am now a professional speaker. Uh, I can speak on sales, obviously. What IBM taught me in six months yep. um, and I, uh, you know, is as valuable today and universal in principles. It's not about technique. I'm a principle person. I'm not a method technique person. There's both required. But if you don't have principles as a foundation, your your methods may or may not succeed. And But principles stand the test of time. And, and I've lived it and I've breathed it and ACT was an outcome of those principles. So anything and everything sales, obviously an inspirational story, how to deal with tragedies and come out through it and still meet, be meaningful and find meaning in your life. Uh, so. Uh, culture, company culture, company engagement, but ultimately it comes down to 
principles principles are mind thoughts, right? Uh, heart are your attitudes. You combine those two, and then the moments that occur, like the guy, the CEO that said, you two guys are smart guys, go have a breakfast. We would have never thought of that, okay? So that was a moment that with our principles, our heart, we attached to that moment, and that moment produced enormous results, i.e. ACT, that changed the world and created a mobile, a, a, a multi-billion dollar global industry, right? Mm -hmm. And so I speak on principles, heart, uh, uh, moments and results tied to relationship and reputation management, which we all have a reputation, a brand, right? A brand. I like to say to people, you know, I ask them when I speak, what, what's your brand? And, you know, we give all sorts of answers, right? <laughs> I could say I'm the guy that co-invented ACT. It's a brand. That is a brand. But it You're is. Brand. And yeah. we, have, we have many brands, but the ultimate brand is this. And this is what I tell the audience because nobody gets it right away. I say your brand is what other people say about you when you're not in the room. That's so That's true. your real brand. And yeah. that perspective of people is what determines your ultimate opportunities and success or lack thereof, right? Mm -hmm. That you can't get anywhere. Why not? Well, because the way you're perceived is not good. We all know people that we say, stay away from them. Oh, you know that person? Stay away from them, right? They have a bad reputation. And, and we take advice like that. But what are we talking about? We're talking about their reputation. Yeah. So if you don't think as a person or as a company, mm -hmm. uh, a, a company entity, that your reputation is meaningful, you're way wrong, mm -hmm. obviously. But it's got to be thoughtfully applied. Everybody says, well, I know I do want a good reputation. Yeah, but how do you execute on that? What are you doing moment to moment, right? So how you see yourself, the first lesson IBM taught us in sales school was how you see yourself. And I could go into that more, but I'll just say this. It led to how you see yourself determines how you conduct yourself. How you conduct yourself determines how you're perceived. How you're perceived ultimately is how people talk about you, i.e. that becomes your reputation, your mm. brand. Mm -hmm. And that then determines where you're gonna go from there. Oh my gosh, you've just given us an inspirational message to die for. And what a, what a story that you've lived. Um, I think as a professional speaker too, what is professional speaker really? You know, <laughs> I'm going to listen to someone like you speak because you have experienced something rather than, well, I need to write a script and I happen to have a great personality and I can get in front of an audience. No, that is not what it's about. So I have no doubt that you are all, I know you're already successful and I know that companies are hiring you to, to tell your story. There's one thing more that I'd like to say about all of this, Mike, is that back to your conversation about reputation, it's so interesting to me that going in and out of companies that I do, you do too, in training on leadership, speaking for myself, it's interesting that a culture can be culture A, but the culture is only as good as the people who are living it every day, mm -hmm. at every level. Yep. And it's interesting to me how sometimes a culture is reputed to be fabulous. Gee, that's a great company, a great culture. And it only takes one person mm -hmm. within that company to do something over here to somebody and people talk. And all of a sudden the whole company's brand can get dissed, mm -hmm. D-I-S-S-E-D, mm -hmm. and that's not really good. So one last question I have, which is in one minute, <laughs> um, what advice would you give to people in a good culture to make sure that they stay on brand with the company? 
Well, that's a good question. First of all, uh, as, a, as an individual in a company uh, and, and, and uh, monitoring and preserving and protecting and further enhancing that culture, let's assume very positive, mm -hmm. don't ever let anybody in that could contaminate that. And if somebody does come in, because we all put on these faces when we're interviewing and you know look good for a little while, but then we uh, regress into what we really are and there are people like that. We had to fire some people at, at our company. Mm -hmm. They looked good at the beginning, but we had to get rid of them. So you gotta be quick to uh, eliminate anything that's gonna contaminate a, a culture, okay? Um, but it's also a focus on each individual and, and a development with them that everybody matters. Titles are important just for maybe more outside things or chain of command or I get all that but everybody matters equally as much. There's, you know, a, a receptionist, a, a dock worker in a big company can be as damaging to the reputation outside the company as the CEO can be based on what he or she does or doesn't do, right? So everybody matters. Every so brick matters. Every, every brick matters, right? That. Where do you fit in and where do you want them to fit in so that to the world, to the, to the bigger picture, it looks tight, cohesive, and it's a thing of beauty and, and admiration and respect. That's great. And I know that most companies today are really leaning toward wanting to do that because mm -hmm. it's all about engagement and salary. Easier well, said good. than done. Yes. <laughs> Before we leave, uh, there's one question um, okay. for Mike. Um, regarding um, technology, of course, you were talking, you were not a uh, coder, you're not a developer, but you created something having in mind salespeople. What would you say to people that say, you know, I am the founder or I am highly involved in this project, I need to know how technology works in and out. Right. Do you, are you from the school of thought that the founders, or if you're in a higher position, you need to know exactly how everything pans out? Or because you have to delegate, you would choose to delegate? How, yeah. how would you say? That's a very good question. And, and really, I, in, in my opinion, my own experience and other people I know, other software entrepreneurs, obviously, that I've met over these many uh, years, uh, it could be both, uh, but it's how you handle what your strengths are and how you recognize what your weaknesses are. So Pat and I were both technologically advanced enough to have a sense of it. We did completely architect 100% the product. We then took that architecture, think of us as an architect, right? We then took that blueprint, if you will, and, and, and we hired two uh, developers, Randy uh, Haben and John Maurer. Uh, God bless them. Uh, they, they coded what Pat and I had architected, and obviously they too lent some of their own creativity to it. So, you know, ultimately there were four of us that in the final design of that first release was from the four of us. Uh, but you can always hire what you can't do yourself, mm -hmm. right? So, but it goes back then to the right people to hire. So if you're not very technical, but you're the visionary, you can hire somebody that is very technical, right? And they're, the, they're the CIO of the company. If you are technical, keep in mind that that could get in the way in some cases of what the company does, because now you're, you're overloading on that side. So what a company has to do in its uh, culture, in, in its hiring, especially the early days, you've got to find that right balance of the skill set needed to survive and then be able to proceed uh, progressively. And, and it's just a, a, a recognition and an analysis of what can I do and what can I do? What do we need and what do we already have? So well said. And listeners, listen up. Mike said, and I agree, if you have comments and questions, put them in the chat box. People are doing that, and it's interesting. Guests are looking back after the fact, right? Because you are evergreen now. This is going to be up forever. Uh -oh. And you <laughs> listeners can go in now after you've given some deep thought to things you might want to ask. 
and uh, every guest I've had so far makes sure that they when I tell them, hey, you've got a really good question, they do answer them. So I'm going to leave you with that. Mike, thank you so much for such wisdom. And we always have, have fabulous guests. Next week, I want you to know we're going to have very interesting and very different podcast. Uh, it will be sponsored by TD Industries, who talk about a great culture, live that culture. And here's what it will be about. It's a panel of four, speaking of visionary, four visionary men who uh, are coming together shaping the next major building project in Dallas. It's called The Link. And these four entities are coming together in the beginning of the project. And they're going to tell how, why they did that and how it is progressing. So I think you'll find it very, very interesting. Secondly, I just want to say for those of you who have not subscribed, I'm offering you something if you will, and that is just go into the podcast and hit subscribe and then send me an email with the title or with the subject line, I subscribed. Send it to Valerie at Valerie and Company, all spelled out, dot com. Valerie at ValerieAndCompany.com, and I'll send you a really good leadership article that I think you will enjoy. So for now, thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Stay real, stay authentic, and live your brand. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.